When you begin looking at the story of Royal Rife and what happened, some have described the events that transpired with him back in the 1930s as one of the darkest pages in medical history. And this was an individual that had studied uh, with uh, Zeiss Optical. He uh, did have a degree as a, a doctor, uh, Dr. Royal Wright. He was a doctor of pathology, a pathologist. And so his primary concern in his studies was finding the causative agent of disease, looking for the pathogens that were related to the problems that people were experiencing in life. And Rife was supported by a man named William Timken because Rife did a lot of work for a lot of people. He was very innovative, he was a genius, he had experience in so many different modalities of science where most people would need a team of scientists around them or experts to develop some idea. Rife had enough knowledge in his head by the 1920s that he could virtually call on any of these things in his head that he had studied and, and, and build it himself. He was an incredible individual. And one of the early things that he worked on, it started around the 1920s, was the universal microscope. Actually, the universal didn't show up until 1935, but he began working on uh, a virus microscope. He wanted something with enough magnifications that he could actually see things that no human had seen under the uh, microscopes of those days. Even today, if you and I go out to try to purchase a microscope from a store, you're usually talking magnifications maybe two, three, four, five hundred times. If you get into some very expensive professional microscopes, you might get up to 10,000 magnifications. Maybe you, if you pushed it, somebody may have something at 15,000. But by 1935, Rife had developed the universal microscope with magnifications of an incredible 50,000 times. And so Rife was seeing things back there in the 1930s that most people hadn't seen. In fact, even as of 2011, uh, many people even that, that are around today and studying pathogens have never looked through a microscope with those kind of magnifications. Now they have looked through electron microscopes and they can achieve those magnifications. But it's not the same because when you look through an electron microscope, everything that's there is now dead, it's killed. So you're looking at the debris or what's left, the carcass of that organism. But what Rife was looking at was a live cell or a live virus or a live pathogen. And by seeing what it was like alive in that very small state, he could see and determine things that even today people are just beginning to realize. Welcome back to episode 51 of the Alpha Male Buddhist from Brooklyn podcast. In the podcast today, we have a soundtrack of a very, very interesting topic and a very interesting person, a doctor, back in the 1920s. This is most definitely forbidden knowledge and forbidden information, medical information. And the, the doctor, his name is Dr. Royal Raymond Rife. And back in the 1920s, he was kind of like a Leonardo da Vinci of his time. He was a great inventor and a genius. And he was a pathologist, a medical doctor, a pathologist, way ahead of his time. But in addition to that, he was an inventor, 
and he had several disciplines and worked and consulted in many different industries and had financial backing because he was able, I believe he was backing some guy that owned a, a ball barring company and he revolutionized that business for him. He helped him revolutionize it. And so as a result, the guy gave him financial backing. So Dr. Roy Raff was not backed by the medical or pharmaceutical industry, but by private investors who he had helped in forged, you know, working relationships with and trust and bonds with, which is the way it should be, not just profit. What, uh, what Dr. Royal Raymond Reif, weird name, right? What Dr. Royal Raymond Reif discovered was, um, he was a pathologist and what pathologists do is they look for the pathways of disease and what causes diseases, not, not just the disease itself, but what, what actually causes it. And his theory was that viruses cause cancer. And you're gonna, you'll hear it uh, in the audio, but I'll just kind of give you a quick quick thumbnail sketch. He, he found that frequencies could actually shatter these viruses and cure the cancer. So it's kind of a sad story because, you know, he developed uh, this Rife machine that helped to cure cancer. And in essence, what ended up happening was there were 16 patients that he had that were terminally ill, terminal cancer. And within 17 day, within 70 days, he had 16 patients, 16 patients terminally ill. And within 70 days, 70 days, 14 of them were completely cured of cancer. And then the other two, it actually took an additional 20 days, so it took 90 days. So within 90 days... All 16 were completely cured. And mysteriously enough, you know, shortly after these discoveries, um, he'll get into it in the audio, but the a partner that he worked with kind of changed the settings, and so he lost all the frequencies, and people around him were dropping dead, and he started drinking, and it, it, it's just a very sad story when this man was so brilliant and, and, and could have helped mankind in so many ways. But I'll let the, I'll let the audio roll on this so you can... Uh, hear it also in addition he invented a, a, a microscope an optical microscope that uh even till today really they don't have microscopes that powerful that go up to like today if you really try hard you might get one that has a 10,000 magnification and he had back then in the 20s and the 30s a magnify uh, optical magnifying glass that went up to 50,000 power again um this is all going to be covered in in the audio but it's it's a uh, highly highly worth listening to now, today you can buy these Rife machines, and if you go on YouTube, you'll see a lot of testimony on them. You have to be careful. I think some of them are charlatans, and some of them are kind of kind of quackery, but uh, if you do, do some good research, and I believe in doing your own research. I'm not going to recommend anybody, or nobody's backing me. I'm not here. You don't hear me asking for clicks and, and views and everything like that. I just want emails from, from my, my cats out in California. got a lot of listeners in California and Norway, and Germany, and Great Britain, and Australia, and Macau, I have one listener, and Cambodia, I have a listener, uh, so yeah, you cats out there, man, reach out to me, and shoot me an email, I'd like to hear from you guys, but um, anyway, I digress, which I do sometimes, ADD, um, yeah, so in essence, you know, the uh, he invented this microscope, and the guy really man you need to need to listen to this and and get something out of it oh 
uh, about the machines. Be careful. There's some quackery out there. Um, there's, yeah, do your research on, on YouTube. Look and see what's out there. And look at the reviews. And, you know, when you see matching testimony, you guys know what to do. But, yeah, they're, they're not that expensive, these Rife machines. You can you can look into this and do the research yourself. It seems that it's, I'm going to get into it and I'm going to look into it myself. And if I have some feedback, I'll, I'll podcast it out. So, again, I digress. Uh, thank you for listening. And I know I say, oh, a lot. I apologize. i got to cut that out. It's a bad habit. Laziness. So let's get into this audio. And thank you for listening. And I'll put my greeting out at the end. Let's, let's, let's get into it. The, the microscope was unique. It was called dark field. And just to mention here, uh, Jim back here has brought his dark field microscope here to our, our program. And sometime during break, uh, if you'd like, uh, you can talk to Jim. And Joel's here as well. Uh, they, they traveled here. And if you're interested in a dark field analysis, uh, you can talk to them about it. They're set up back here in the lobby. And so you, you can get a little bit of idea what dark field looks like. You'll see on the, the monitor here, this is a few dark field shots here. We'll talk about those later. But the dark field microscope was very interesting. Uh, it's called dark field because what Rife was looking for was so small many times that you couldn't stain the object. What they would do with other microscopes, they still do it. They stain the object so that they can brighten it and see it under greater magnifications. The thing is, what Rife was looking for was actually smaller than the molecules of stain. And so what he did, he developed a prism system where he would put in certain fields of light. So it might be only the color of blue or the color red. And what would happen is, is those spectrums of light or frequencies of light would go in. What would happen is, is the only thing that would light would be the objects or microorganisms that were purple or red or blue. And everything in the background was dark because there was no other light there. So that's why it's called dark field. You'd have a dark field background and then these things, these objects would just jump out at you. But it was even more complex than that. That's the simplest way that we can express it. But from that idea of using frequencies of light to see things that were invisible to other people, he also came up with the idea of what about using frequencies to vibrate the components of those pathogens in order to bring about their destruction. And so that was the next challenge. And he built frequency-based devices, and he had the microscope to validate what he was doing. He cataloged a lot of the things he was doing. There is still film available from Rife's original work. Uh, much of it has been lost. But from that point on, he was determined to find the, uh, the causative agent of cancer. And he was convinced it was a virus. Now, why, why would Rife begin looking for a viral link? The reason is, is that viruses, unlike parasites or bacteria or mold or fungus, viruses are not living organisms. Not as we think of something that's alive. A viron or a virus doesn't breathe, it doesn't reproduce by itself, doesn't poop. It's, it's basically, it's got about three components. 
Inside, it's got its genetic material, its instructions, and then it's got a capsin, and then it's got what's called an envelope. And it's like an egg, so it's got a yolk, and it's got an exterior layer. And what a virus does is it, it finds the keyholes of your cells. So if we get a, a viral infection, it finds those keyholes and it locks in, and it waits for the cell to absorb it. And once it's absorbed inside, it releases its genetic instructions to the cell, cell's manufacturing system. And uh, then the cell begins manufacturing more virons. Interesting. And as they begin to multiply, eventually they burst their way out of the cell and they, they move on to other cells. And they repeat that process over and over again. Now, fortunately, the immune system in most cases can see that this is a foreign object and it'll clean up these viruses before they reach the point of causing death. Now HIV virus is very good at concealing himself, itself because what's interesting about viruses and this is like once again what, what Reif was looking at is possibly a cause of cancer is that viruses before they leave the cell they steal the protein or they steal some of the information from the cell to cloak itself to make itself look like it's part of that organism so that the immune system can't see it. So the best analogy I can use, this is what a virus would be like. Uh, we have an automobile plant. They build cars. They shut down for the evening. Uh, during the night, an individual breaks in and he reprograms their computers at night and they're not going to build cars anymore. All these robots are now going to build bicycles. And so for the entire evening, bicycles are built to the point that the, the, uh, the robots and all of the, the manufacturing processes finally collapse in destruction. But before the man leaves the plant, he steals the identification, social security numbers, the clothing, everything he can find from the employees, supervisors, and owners, and he cloaks himself and his crew with these things. And then he walks out of the plant and he sets it on fire. And when the cops show up to see what happened, there they stand, and they look like plant owners, plant workers, but these are the people that actually were involved in the destruction of that plant. And if you look behind them, there's all their bicycles, or they have new friends. See, this is what a virus is like. And here again, HIV virus, which is called AIDS, it cloaks itself so well that the immune system has trouble seeing it. And so that HIV virus, it'll actually go right into the precincts of the body, into the white cells, and it destroys them, and when it leaves, it dresses itself as cops. <laughs> so the immune system is totally confused of what's going on, see, with, with an HIV virus. Now, when you think about cancer, what, what Reif was thinking about was this, that a cancer cell is a healthy cell that has had its genetics altered. Something has changed. And as a pathologist, he only, only knew of one type of organism or critter, or whatever you want to call it, we call it viruses, that's what he called them, virons, viruses, that could overwrite instructions. That's why he began looking for a viral link. 20,000 times he got samples of cancer from the hospital and he couldn't find it. 
And so you can imagine the time involved. And then he ran into a man named Kendall. And Dr. Kendall said, I can grow cancer. They begin having a discussion. And Rife looked at him. He said, well, if, if you can grow it, he says, I can see it. And so they teamed up. And this was called the Kendall Median, is what it was called. Because what Kendall had discovered, that, that by putting cancer cells into an acidic environment, a low pH environment, that cancer would reproduce and replicate much faster. And what Reif had been doing 20,000 times was taking his samples and putting them into a neutral pH. Probably was 7, 7.3. And by the time he was, was digging down for something that he could find, it wasn't there anymore. And so what Reif discovered early on working with Kendall was this is that the terrain or the pH levels of the human body will affect whether cancer is there in many cases or cannot be seen there at all. So Reif named the first virus the BX virus. Later on he identified a BY virus and he would extract these viruses, and here again, this is still available on film, and he would actually inject these into his laboratory rats over 200 times. He was able to demonstrate tumor growth. And there's film of tumors the size of golf balls on these animals. And then he would re-extract the cancer from that tumor, and he would apply his frequency machine to the virus that he would put under his microscope, find the correct frequency, then treat the, the, the laboratory rats, and their cancer would go on remission. And this is how he demonstrated what he was trying to do. And so later on, around 1934, other people were getting involved with Rife, uh, other doctors, some of the, the leading doctors of the time were, were, were now associating with him, looking at his work, uh, Dr. Milbank Johnson was the most notable of, of that day, well known throughout the country. And he arranged for a study from the University of Southern California to send 16 cancer patients to a ranch in order to test out Rife's theories about using a frequency-based device to agitate the viral link to cancer to see if their cancer would go into remission. Now what's interesting, and this is on audio tape, a few years ago audio tapes were discovered, I think they were discovered up in Canada. And uh, on those tapes you could hear Reif talking about pH levels. And he made the comment that if they did not elevate the pH levels of those 16 studies, that he would get nowhere. Because what he realized was this, that in the right terrain, cancer could replicate itself faster than he could destroy it. Now what else is interesting about Reif when he was looking through his microscope he discovered something else and it's called pleomorphism. Now in the world around us, the visible world, we may see a, a caterpillar become a butterfly. But what Reif saw, depending on the terrain or the pH levels or the toxins that were in his samples, is that not only would he see caterpillars eventually grow into butterflies, 
he would see butterflies revert back to caterpillars. So what he began to understand was is that cancer is developed not just by the virus itself but by the terrain that it's growing in. What Reif understood back in the 1930s once he made these discoveries is that cancer was a symptom of other problems and if you treated just the symptoms you would not eradicate the cancer. You may appear to put it in remission. You may uh, appear that you're getting tumor shrinkage. But in reality, cancer is a symptom. Could be a symptom of a problem with pH. Could be a symptom of toxicity, he knew that. It could be a symptom of some blockages within the body itself that's causing toxic buildup. And so this is something that was not understood well by most people. Now after that study, a man named Morris Fishbein, who was connected with the AMA, uh, tried to buy out Reif and his ideas. So he made him a monetary offer and Reif refused. He was not interested in money for his research. Now William Timpkin, who financed Reif's work, it was a Timpkin ball bearing company. So he had unlimited resources and the reason he financed Royal Rife was Rife had saved him millions by developing something in, to do with his manufacturing process. It saved William Timken millions of dollars, so he always contributed to Rife and his research. Other doctors of the day, just like today, they were financed primarily by the pharmaceutical companies. And this is another reason Rife was not in bed with Big Pharma or the drug companies of his day. He didn't need to be because he was financed by a man that made ball bearings. See? Well, around 1935, 36, 37, 38, 39, by 1939, uh, this Morris Fishbean, once he found out he couldn't buy outright, other things begin to happen. Uh, things begin to disappear. Some of Rife's research, lab notes, some of the components to his microscope uh, disappeared. A frivolous lawsuit was brought against the Beamray Corporation that built the frequency devices, which they won, but they were financially bankrupted. Another plant that was uh, working to duplicate Rife's results uh, burned to the ground. Two other individuals that were supporting Rife, uh, they mysteriously died. They said they died of a suicide. They poisoned themselves. And Milbank Johnson, Dr. Milbank Johnson, uh, he was going to deliver a speech and he had documents, uh, further documentation validating Reif's work. This was in the early 1940s. The night before that speech, he was found dead in his hotel room. Now he was buried and according to reports his body was exhumed and it was found out that he did not die of natural causes. Now, what happened to Royal Rife around this period was by 1939 he began feeling the stresses of everything that was happening. And William Timken had passed away and so had his wife. His financial backing disappeared and the Royal Rife unfortunately uh, degraded into alcoholism. It was not heard of much till around the 1950s and just even then not much. 
John Crane had met Rife and he tried to rebuild or reconstruct some of Rife's devices. He didn't have the financial backing to build plasma devices like Rife had built and that you see here. So he would buy these Heath kits. I don't know if any of you remember, you got to be up in years, remember the Heath kit company. But you could build your own frequency generators very inexpensively. And they used pad type devices. Uh, John Crane did. Now in the early 60s, Crane was indicted and uh, he was put in prison. And then I think it was around, I may have my numbers wrong, I think it was around 73 when Royal Rife passed away. Um, he died uh, from uh, alcohol and Valium. He was in an automobile accident and they took him to the hospital and then they gave him too much Valium. And the combination of the two resulted in his demise at that point. So that's the last Royal Rife was heard of. John Crane, it seems like, and I, I, may, I don't have the exact dates, my memory is he died somewhere in, in somewhere around the late 80s, early 90s, so he's been gone for a while. The universal microscope is still in existence. I talked to the man who has access to it. He says it is still functional. Uh, the original beam ray machines, not sure if any of those are around. There are reports. Some of the later stuff that John Crane and Rife worked on are still there. Uh, there was an eBay auction here just two weeks ago with one of Rife's early microscopes and uh, one of the uh, later um, Rife frequency generators from the 1950s. So some of this stuff is still around, see. Welcome to the Alpha Male Buddhist from Brooklyn podcast. I'm your host, Miguel. I like to cover topics from ancient history, great leaders and generals from the past, and I also like to talk about self-realization, truth, critical thinking, and strategic spirituality. Outside the box, nonconformist. I'm here to shatter the myths of the mainstream media and the beta sheeple narrative. Welcome to the Alpha Male Buddhist from Brooklyn podcast. My email address is alphamalebuddhist at gmail.com. My website is alphamalebuddhist.podbean.com. And my subreddit is reddit.com forward slash r forward slash alphamalebuddhist. That's my subreddit where you can comment and interact with other listeners. And it's a great forum to sit and have an open dialogue. So, again, thank you for listening and namaste.